Hello, my name's Matt Phelan. Hi everyone, my name's Oren Bowman. And we are recording the pilot episode of Working With Humans. Exciting, very exciting. So where are we? It's 11, it's 11.19. Oren has uh, come to my house on Valentine's Day. Yeah. How many Valentine's cards bit, have you got? A bit weird, none. I've got none. Lonely and single, you're married with kids. <laughs> So we're both sitting here on Valentine's Day together with zero Valentine's cards. Yep. And we've got some, some stuff. Why, why are we recording this? I think, as I said in the intro in the previous podcast, I, the, the, the thing that makes me live for life and the th- thing that I love is that on my journey, I get to meet loads of amazing people um, and I just learn so much from them. And I wanted to share the stuff that I learned. Like, I've known... How long have I known you, Aaron? Well, since we were sort of 16, really, so probably... 15 years? Yeah, 15 years. Yeah. And although Warren's, yeah, you can tell from his voice, he's a really annoying guy, but he, <laughs> he top, absolutely top human. But I just learn, every time we meet up, we just, even this morning, we've just met and we've yep. just learned loads from each other. So yep. this podcast is all about sharing people that I meet, their story, and making sure you guys learn. So what and how are we going to measure this? So this is the pilot. The, we, I don't really care about vanity metrics. I don't care if it has 10 listeners or 4,000 listeners. The key point is, if for every single podcast we put out there, I get a message somewhere, whether verbally or on LinkedIn or via a, a messaging app or whatever, saying, I learned something and that podcast was useful, then this podcast will continue. If we do two in a row and nobody learns from it, I'll shut the whole thing down. Yeah. yeah. Happy with that, Warren? Yeah. Cool, so um, it's one of those beautiful days in London, we're up in North London, you've come over from West London haven't you? Yeah, South West London, I ventured above the river, it's a bit weird, you get lazy, anything over a 45 minute journey these days feels like four hours, but um, I'm here um, and it's obviously great to be here looking out on Matt's beautiful green garden, it's somewhat weird seeing him being an actual man and adult, but it's also <laughs> worth saying that he turned up in a... Uh, bomber jacket that looks like he's from top man so he's obviously having some sort of midlife crisis but i'm cool with that so the greatest thing about the weirdest thing is i don't know if Oren's done a podcast before but he's turned up in a suit <laughs> you, can't, you can't see it but he's got a bow tie on everything yeah the whole lot but anyway so i'm gonna do um i'm just gonna do a bit of a speed round for you to get to know Oren really quickly um he doesn't know what i'm gonna ask him but just just open him up make him feel a bit um just a bit more relaxed. So if you were a Spice Girl, which one would it be? Sporty. Used to fancy her. <laughs> Number one track. If you took one track to Desert Island. Share, believe. Favourite biscuit? Oh, God. Uh, custard cream. You can't have a custard cream. I love it, though. But I open it up. Oh, God, that sounds weird. And take out the middle and then eat the biscuit. <laughs> uh, holiday. What's a holiday to you? What does that mean? Going on an adventure. Not somewhere with no disrespect to... Tenerife, Malaga, wherever. I want to go on an adventure. I want to see the world because I want to have a better story to tell. Cool. Um, so, moving on, let's get into the meat of this podcast. I think if I... There's three reasons I've invited Oren on to uh, be uh, my first guest on this podcast is the three areas, the way I see Oren is, is fundamentally is absolutely brilliant human being. He disputes that in his intro, but I believe him to be a top, top guy who would do anything for anyone. Um, he's... His tools or career or whatever you would, would like to call it is he's, he's a professional marketer. I would describe him, though, not as a marketer. I would describe him as an in-house entrepreneur. I hate the word entrepreneur. I don't know why. So I use in-house entrepreneur. What does that mean? I think if you were ever to hire Oren, he's not your status quo guy. He's not going to come in and 
just keep things ticking along. He's going he's gonna to generate change and, and forward movement. And I, ultimately, I believe Oren will be an entrepreneur um, in its own right. And I can imagine him switching between in-house and, um, and his own roles. But um, that's, that's in my words, Oren. How, uh, what are you doing these days? What, what's, what are you up to? So at the moment, I currently work for Chelsea Football Club. Um, yeah, um, I was actually at the Spurs game last night. Uh, but ultimately, I'm a fan of football. I love sport. I love football. Um, yeah, I'm working there. I head up what's called football marketing across all the different teams. So men's, women's, youth. It's really fun. Uh, fun role. Uh, exposed to lots of different areas. Um, and I think I was saying to Matt earlier, the, the, you know, it's really lovely of him to describe me as a, a great human Um but the reason I'm probably involved in football is because it's a you know, it's a team sport. Um, I've always played in the team sports. In fact, over the years, Matt and I have played together or against each other rather awfully. Uh, and I don't like being in an individual sport. The idea of being in a team environment means you've got each other's backs. It's about people. It's about loyalty. So, sorry to I think it's worth putting on record. If it wasn't for our dodgy knees, we'd, we would be professional footballers. Oh, yeah, 100%. Exactly. I mean, I still, most days, stand in the shower dreaming of what it's like to earn £300,000 <laughs> a week as a footballer. Um, I've got the looks, just not the skills. Uh, but, yeah, as I was saying, working in a team sport like that, it's brilliant. Um, I think it's worth also saying you've got to really care about what you do. Um, I care about football. I love it. And to get up every day and to work in an environment where I'm talking about something that I actually enjoy, it's hugely important. I don't, I've never had the fear, and I don't know about you, Matt, but on a Sunday night, like, why would you want to think, I can't go to work tomorrow? Well, my advice to anyone listening that has the fear about... Get out. Yeah, change. Just Honestly, do it now. get out. Like, get out. You know, it's not worth it. You're going to be doing this for the next 50, 60 years of your life. Honestly, get out. Do something you actually care about, even if it doesn't pay that well, like... Ultimately, and you know, Matt works and runs a company called The Happiness Index. It's about that, um, and you'll find the long term you're better off doing something like that. So, Warren, in um, so thanks for that. In your intro um, mm-hmm. on the on the previous message, you said what's important to you is like the culture of where you work. Like, what does that actually mean? Because culture culture is a big word, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge, and I think it's thrown about too easily. Actually, I think <clears throat> you speak to someone and. I sort of, you go to an interview and you'll say to someone, what's the culture like at this place? They're always going to go, it's great, you know, it's brilliant. But, like, is it? I want to know... How can you find out? I don't think you can. Uh, I but think it's really tricky. You had a thing called Glassdoor? Yeah, and Glassdoor's great. Um, but it's still not... This, you lack that human element. Like, it, I, I would love to, you know, and I don't know if it ever will happen, but imagine I'm about to accept a job somewhere. I'd love to be able to go in there for a week or be a fly try on the before, wall. Try before you buy. Try before you buy or speak to, you know, could an interview question be, can I speak to four other members of the team? Such a good point. You know, like, why, why not? Um, because you're doing this eight, nine, 10, 12 hours a day. I just want to record that down. I think there's always, people always say, get stuck when in an interview when they get say what have you got any questions mm. and I've never had anyone say that but what a great question I'm just putting on record that your question could be can I meet three or four team members from this company yeah. and whether that be in a professional environment or do you set it up where if they're at the point of offering it to you that means they want you they should allow you to go for a coffee with these guys why not or even you know go and have a beer or whatever it is you need to do but you've got to find out if you're going to be happy in this place can you trust it do you think you can trust these people um, that's really important. Just on that, I think also, if you're ever stuck for a question interview, something that always occurs to me and is ask the interviewer, um, tell me about yourself. Tell me your story. 
not just what do you do every day at and work. Why you work there? Why do you work there? A sometimes if you're a bit you know a bit nervous, people love to talk about themselves. Like ultimately, like like you are now. Like I am now. Love the sound <laughs> of my own voice. Um, but if you ask someone, you know, who are you? Tell me about yourself. You can sit back and listen for four or five minutes. It builds a rapport. They will be impressed with you, sort of somewhat subconsciously because they think oh he's got an interest in me yeah. Um, but yeah find out about who you're working with that's what's my listen if, you're, if I was going for another head of marketing role tomorrow I don't need to talk about the role the day to day marketing is transferable whatever company you go from from whether it's Chelsea if I came and was the head of marketing at Happiness Index or I was the head of marketing at Barclays ultimately the day to day stuff it's all the same yeah. the other you know there's, there's that the big ideas part which is what I love doing which we can talk about probably in a bit you know that's slightly different, but it's all about the people and the culture. Like, and and that's what I know we keep, we keep saying it, but yeah. I want to know that I can trust these people and also have a good time. Like, again, like so have fun at work. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be sat behind my desk. I don't want, and that's something else I ask. I ask um, the interviewer, how long do you spend at your desk? I don't. Do you generally ask that question? Yeah, a hundred percent. You asked that when you went to Saracens. I asked it when I went to Saracens. The commercial director, I said to him. Um, how long do you spend in your office at your desk? Because if he said to me, yeah, to be honest with you, we're at our desk a lot. Like, I read, I read the other day that when you sit down, 90% of your fat-burning ability stops. Yeah, I mean, you've just got to look at Matt and I, I and say, that's not a problem for us. <laughs> um, I wish I could put on weight. But, yeah, I don't want to be sat at my desk. You shouldn't be. Like, you, you, that's not, you're not, especially in a correct... Look, listen, if, with no disrespect to accountants or lawyers they need to be behind their desk there's a lot of typing up to do there's a lot of phone calls to be made research but I too I mean my, a lot of my world is artificial intelligence and machine learning a lot of that's changing a lot of that behind the desk stuff is going to be automated so exactly it can be done for you and also some of the chats that Matt and I were having this morning that in fact it's great I went we went for breakfast this morning I think it's worth noting this and what was it what was the name of the thing we had I can never pronounce it Huevos churros, yeah, I think. It's amazing. Yeah, Buckle and Vaughan in which, not Buckle and Vaughan, um, Hooper. Hopper and Bean. Hopper and Bean, yeah, Get you should go. <laughs> um, quick shout out. But um, Matt had basically already ordered, just as I said to him, I need to go to the bathroom. And I would say, gone a minute, and you would think he's going to be sat down. Um, but it didn't surprise me. I came out, and Matt was actually talking to the guy, uh, probably the owner of the cafe or the manager about the technology they were using and loyalty cards, you know, where you get those stamps to buy to buy, buy nine coffees, get 10-3. Matt was already sort of, we used to call it chirpsing, you know, chirpsing this guy, almost chatting him up, but in a, a business technology, you know, you should do this, you should do that. And, and it was brilliant. Like, this guy's face lit up because it wasn't just someone saying, can I have a black Americano, please? Matt was saying, this is how you could improve your business. And that would never happen behind your desk. No. Like, it just wouldn't. But I think the scary thing is, if you are happy sitting behind your desk, you will be replaced by a robot. 100%. And I, I mean that in the next three to five years. And that isn't, doesn't mean there's not going to be jobs, but the jobs are going to be what humans are best at, which is out and about. But it also... You, you're totally right. But also, you can be replaced by another human. Like, being an accountant is a, is a skill, and you have to have that type of mind... But once you've got that qualification, if I'm not doing a good enough job, they will just replace me. Yeah. However, as a creative marketeer, it's very rare that you meet people that can come up with big creative ideas that are going to push the boundaries and things. Like, make yourself irreplaceable. That's something else, you know, like, when you do go into a role, 
come up with stuff that you th- no one else can come up with. Like, be unique. Um, and something that just, whilst we're on that matter, that's important is um, a boss of mine recently told me, your biggest skill set and the reason that you make me look good is because of your relationships and you being an influencer in this business. Yeah. Not because... You know, I can write a piece of copy or... You know, your relationships. My relationships. Yeah. And that is so I mean, key to like... But that's the human bit. That's yeah. why you're here. This is why you're on your podcast. Yeah. And that, that relationship piece, honestly, like it's... I can't emphasise how important that is in your career. Um, anyone can write a piece of copy. Anyone could, you know, fill in a spreadsheet. But if you can be an influencer and make your boss look good, yeah. then you're going places. And if, if you want to tip on how Oren does that, the thing that frustrates me is, you know, when people pass each other in the corridor and they're like oh how are you Dave blah, blah, blah. and they pass each other and they move on and it's like a yeah. uh, uh, what do you call it like a, a friendly thing to say yeah when Oren asks you how you are he's listening to actually find out how you are yeah and I, I've only I haven't been in that environment with you I have worked with you but not in an office mm-hmm. that's what I believe builds that you as a human because you actually care about other humans and that's where your connection comes from definitely because I can learn from it as well like learn from other people it comes back to what we said at the start like my story, yeah, I've got a story, everyone does, but other people have got much better stories. And also, it goes so far, like the whole putting an arm around someone, not yeah. literally, but other people have got stuff going on and you don't know that just by showing an interest in them on a day-to-day basis work yeah. might change their day. I, w- I, w- I went in to see uh, one of my clients who was a marketing manager once and I asked her how she was. Um, and she started telling me about the marketing campaigns. And I was like, no, no, I no. said, um, how are you? And she just burst into tears. Yeah. And said that no one had asked her in a work environment that for the last three years. Yeah. It's unbelievable, it, wasn't it? And it, it also, you touched there, Matt, upon having worked together. Like, it might be interesting for people to know. Like, I was with Matt uh, when he, fir- he started his first business, 4Ps, um, in a small little office space. Cool, but in, where is it? East? We were first, no, we were first off behind Oxford Street in a That was it, yeah. Attic. But I didn't meet you there. I came to the one, that, the uh, little one you had. Caledonian Road. Caledonian Road. Bus works. And, yeah, that's it. Definitely around there. It. And all I wanted to do was was help Matt. Like I, there was nothing really, and it shouldn't. You shouldn't ever think like that. But there's nothing in it for me at that time. I wanted to network for him. I wanted to bring in clients. And I said to him, I was like, one day I will get you business, and we will work together. And, yeah. and that that happened at, um, when I was at Premiership Rugby, um, which at the time, you know, they weren't. Um, I wouldn't say a dinosaur of business, but they were very traditional and old school and had been working with people for years. Yeah. And I challenged that and yeah. I was determined to get like us on Matt's books. And That's your in-house entrepreneur. Yeah, and lo and behold, you know, one day went over and there we are signing a contract. Still had to do a competitive pitch, right? Still did, yeah, <laughs> because I had to make it look like... It was like, tough. Like it was the, tough on that. You were tough. You asked us tough yeah, questions. Yeah, but then, you know, I still ultimately... There was a friendship there, but a business relationship, and I still had to make the business decision. Yeah, and I had a because job it's your to career do. On the line, yeah, exactly, right? it's my career on the line. And if if these guys come in and didn't do a good job, then you know I'm the one that's going to be held accountable. But you know, with with Matt, and he's talking about me being a great human being. He is too. Like I, I think that's why people invest in Matt and his businesses because they believe in him, and that's why that whole talking to someone in the corridor, building those relationships, like be who you are. Um, and show people that you care and you'll go further in life. You don't have to... Do you know what, how many times I hear about people at the top, and we were talking about it earlier, yeah. about CEOs, and there's a name of a, of, a, of a director, which I can't mention, but that at some point in my career, we're like, we don't want to work for a guy with that name because you can just... You, yeah. you feel like he's... But to be at the top, you don't have to be a dick. Yeah. You can be a good guy and you can go places and be successful. Yeah. We um, This is a personal one, but Oren and I, this was 
a very negative person in uh, Oren's career. Mm-hmm. So we have a name, we have a day named after this person where we meet and we turn everything negative in our life into a positive. Yeah, and get a little and bit drunk. A bit. Yeah. <laughs> so Oren, just gonna, uh, this isn't a sports podcast, but I just want to, because we grew up, we grew up playing football in an era where um, it was normal, uh, not normal, not right, but commonplace in a changing room to hear were like homophobic mm-hmm. yeah homophobic slurs yep. so this week Joe Root um, has called out uh, a, an opposition cricketer yep. um, for using a homophobic slur to him what, what he's he is the leader of, of one of the most high profile sports teams in England one of the most traditional as well yep. what do you think that's done for the culture uh, of that actual team him doing that is it a good thing bad thing is it does it not matter I think it's a good thing for the team, but I actually wouldn't focus on the team. I think it's what it's done for the world um, and the LGBT community. Like, people... He's now become relatable to someone that might not have had an interest in, in sport or Which cricket. is one of cricket's biggest issues, yeah. isn't it? Because it's very... It's quite an old-school sport. It's got... It takes five a, days. Yeah, it takes five <laughs> days. It's a big commitment. People see it as a bit boring. You know, I know that the ECB over the years have struggled to encourage participation and involvement and to consume their content, you know, all that marketing type of stuff. But what he did, like, he didn't need to do. At that point in time, I don't think it mattered, which is important, especially in relation to this, board, this podcast. He became a human. Yeah. He, at that point, he wasn't England cricketer or captain, whatever he was. He yeah. was in the middle of a field whether that be in the West Indies, which is where they are, or in Wichmore Hill, or wherever it is, and one human to another, he said, what you just said is not acceptable. You know, and the emotion, like, I imagine people felt as a result of you that. You could see he meant it. Oh, he, he, he 100% yeah. meant it. And, you know, this talk of, it happens in football, you know, this whole, this either racist or homophobic um, chanting or slurs that go on, and, and players often say, we should have walked off the pitch. How many times yeah. do you hear them say, we should have? Can I call call fans on that out as well? Because one of the one of the big things that's that's talked about a lot is anti semitism mm-hmm. in football. I've been a Tottenham fan for um, for thirty odd years, and they still not won anything. Well, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we might be going go to where we go. Yeah, Carling Cup. Yeah. <laughs> but we, um, I say so my my background's Catholic, but I've had over twenty years of anti semitic abuse for being a Tottenham fan. Every single match, it was there I last night. To. Yeah. So it was there last night. Yeah. So what we talk about the players a lot, don't we? What about fans? What do you do? It's at the moment. There's not a lot you can do. I think it's it's. Well, I work in football, and you know, I, from personal experience and from a club point of view, it's embarrassing. It's fickle. Um, the irony is, these people you'll find that they're probably not actually um, anti-Semitic or racist. Yeah. Um, they, they don't actually know what they're talking about. You know, all they see in front of them is a, a human that they want to attack and they'll use whatever they can to get to them. So, you know, whether it be calling someone a yid as, as you know, it's well documented that that's what um, happens at Spurs well, I think I, I mean, I think at Spurs, but a lot of the, the Jewish Spurs fans have come out and said that we actually reclaim the word yid. And, but last and, night, and Spurs fans calls themselves Every yid. chant last night is yid was army. yid army, yeah. we love the yids, all Which, that type of thing. But, but, the, but, you, but you consistently get it as you walk to a ground mm-hmm. from, from away yeah. fans. I think... Responsibility is on the fact that players can come out and say what they want as will the manager um, and as will the club. You know, Chelsea, Spurs, other clubs around the world have been involved in it recently. There's work to be done on the fans, but it, it, it's affecting the minority. I think, 
you would hope that it will disappear because it's usually old school people that do it. But then again, you know, what, I think it was um, Sterling got abused yeah. a few weeks ago, which hit the news. Yeah. That same human, you watch him, he abused Sterling. Then he went two minutes later, his team went down the other end and a, and a, a black person scored and he's yeah. cheering him. Yeah. Like, it's like, you, you're an idiot, mate. Yeah. Like, he, he isn't even consistent. It's awful. Um, but to be honest, I'm... I don't have the answer for that. I, yeah. I really don't know what you can the only, do. The only thing I, I think on it is that I just love the fact that we're in society and we can have this conversation. Yeah, it's Maybe great. you can talk about this, we can put it on a podcast and other people can yeah. have their opinion. and everyone can have their opinion, but ultimately, look, you know, we obviously disagree with it. It's, it's awful, disgusting. it's despicable, and it's embarrassing. Yeah. Okay, so, Oren, I want to take you back to... You're 17, 18 years old. You probably got your Ben Sherman on with your brown shoes. Ladies, man. <laughs> yeah. Um... We've got a new Oren Bowman. What year, what year is it? 2019? Yeah. He's just starting out. Your trade is marketing. Yeah. Marketing's changed loads, hasn't it? Yeah. What, what advice do you give to the 16, 17, the new Oren Bowman in his... Um, I mean, there's much, so much hipster than, than we were back in the day. These days, yeah. they've got much more options for yeah. fashion. What, what would you do? You've just, you're just in uni, you're thinking about your first job, you may not be at uni, you may be just actually, actually I'm going to leave school at 16, but you still want to get in marketing. Yep. What's your advice? I, my piece of advice is, it's probably, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and it's something Matt talked about earlier, actually, when we were walking back to his house in, in Winchmore Hill. Um, walked up to his house and, you know, Matt's not shy about it. He has a lovely house. He's done very well for himself. He's successful. But, and he told me that he, he was advised um, in his career, don't spend your money on a house. It's a bad investment. Don't do it. But he flipped that around and he said to me, um, I've done, I bought this house. It's a really lovely house, but I bought it for my wife, for my kids, because it makes them happy. It's a safe environment. It's somewhere where we're making memories, which is really important. Um, it's comfortable, it's this warmth, it's a lovely area, it's safe. And he said he did it for them. Now, when I was 16, 17, I used to think, I want to have a cool job title, I want to earn a shit ton of cash, um, I want to work in a cool job. But actually, if you can, and it's a really hard thing to do at that age, is think about ultimately what is going to make you happy in 15 or 20 years' time. Yeah. Like, yeah, money can, they say money can't buy you happiness. I don't like that phrase, because money can buy things that, that you know they make they can improve your life and you know you get to go on holidays and you get to buy a nice house for your family stuff but ultimately what is it that makes you happy don't think about job titles don't think about you know I used to think when I was getting you know I'm lucky enough to work for a great organization like Chelsea and Saracens I have done in my past but I used to think all I want to do is work for Nike or be a lawyer at a top firm or you know work for a really cool brand that's but it doesn't matter like, do what, try and think about what will make you happy. What do you actually care you, about? The thing that when I see you alive, because I, I don't look, I, although I work in, in happiness, the thing that I aspire to is I don't aspire to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I start, as you know, I started with zero money and, yeah. and, and worked hard, but I aspire to be able to feel alive. Yeah. And when you are being creative, that's when I see you at oh, your yeah. peak. Like when yeah. me and you, Oren and I just had a chat this morning about some business ideas that we've got. And Oren is like, he like comes alive. It's like when you see um, a footballer when they're in there, like like Ryan Giggs when he was back in the, back in the like day. Tony Yeboah hitting a strike <laughs> in off the bar. It's like Tony Adams clearing a header. Yeah, it is. But you, you're, right. you're alive. The adrenaline you? starts yeah. running. And you get, that, you get that from your trade, is that right? 100%. Okay. I think 
I think partly from my trade, partly from like going back to saying what makes me happy. Ultimately, yeah. when you, you, yourself and I and this other colleagues that and friends that Matt and I have made along the way, who you know even now I meet up with as a result of Matt um, and have other relationships with, like it's partly through the industry. But to be honest with you, mate, I think it comes back to just that's who I am. That's what makes me buzz. Whether yeah. I was in marketing or not, if I was in another field like that, you know, shooting the shit, talking about. Um, ideas um, ha- and they don't necessarily have to be about me either yeah. I love like you, but that's, you, know, but that's what you wrote something down two or three things you're like love that I'm going to write yeah. that down I'm going to change it I'm going to go into my business tomorrow and advise that and I don't want credit for that I don't want yeah. I just love it that's wicked but, that, but what, what I, what, the thing that I love about ideas I hate the word and this is going back to the school kids I hate in school how creativity is basically unless you do drama, art, yep. or music, mm-hmm. you, you're not you you're not creative. Yep. And in business, you don't. You, Matt Stannard, who's our head of robots, he's the most creative person I know. Yep. But if you asked him to play some music or, or he would do a play, he couldn't, he couldn't do it. Yep. But what I, what I see when I work with Oren and people like Oren is that creativity is connected all the dots up. It's the Steve Jobs thing. But yep. when you and me come up with an idea. It's normally shipped, sorry to swear, when we start, yeah. but by the time we've chucked it back five or six times, we then have that Got moment something. where we go, boom. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I'm at work, so you talked about, are you like the way you are because of your industry? Perhaps that, the brainstorming thing, the ideation sessions that I have at work, that's when I come to life. So yeah, Matt's right in terms of, that's when I become who I am at work. So when I sit in a room, quite literally, you know, I've just had, we've just had installed at Chelsea white walls, which, you know, in football is, is unheard of. It's very startup-y, you know, it's very... It's, what do you mean installed white walls? Are so white walls, walls that, white? that you can write on. Right. So literally, yeah. we now, we start, we turn around and I can literally turn in my Brilliant. chair and Love I write it. on the wall, Love I've got it. ideas and I take photos of them. Yeah. And then when I'm in and meetings, I refer it. to them and I share it. I'm like, do you remember this? Um, and you know, a few years ago in football, that was in sport was probably unheard of. It's very, it's probably associated with startups and you know um, that type of business. But that what would be great is, and let's link back to the, if we were young, what would what piece of advice we give to the youngsters now? Like, could we? How could you instill that those ideas sharing sessions at school, brainstorming, mm. um, that type of thing? You ne- did we ever do that at school? No, no never. Entrepreneurship's would... a really bad one. Oh, it was, I, never I, happened. I help people go from idea through to start just because that's what I enjoy. Yeah. Like, we, but there, like, there's a place for that from they 12 years old. Yeah, they don't talk about that in school. They don't. Do you remember, we, you probably the same, at, at, we went, went to a, an, an all-boys school in Canterbury. It was very traditional, very old school. We had a, what was called a careers advisor. This old guy... I remember him as bald. We're not, was, we're not oldest and baldest on this podcast. No, yeah, to be clear. But, you know, <laughs> it's stereotypically, and he came in and you know, he would have a book in front of him that listed out careers for me. Yeah, there was um, Ariel, Ariel Erector. Yeah. It was always my favourite. What, what That's that, what I always said that mean? <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you could go into, re- you could only go into this, they're all defined for you. Yeah. And that's not right. I'm sure it's a bit different now. Yeah. Um, it's probably well, not as I'll, strict. I'll read but... out that LinkedIn message I showed you this morning. I, I, I yeah, I that's a, true. A, a teacher contact me on LinkedIn about our, our vision, which is freedom to be human, saying she's worried that that isn't what, isn't what it's like to be a student these days. Yeah. And it's good that things are changing, but I still don't think there's enough of that. You don't get experience of what it actually is like in the workplace. Work experience... You know, again, I don't know if something that someone like the Happiness Index could look at or another organisation, like actual work experience. Like, 
when I was 16, oh. I went to a lawyer. I went into, because I, I used to think I was going to be a solicitor. Yeah. But I'm not. It would have been an absolute disaster. For those that don't or can't see Oren, he, he's the closest thing you could get to an extra in Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would be. So, so yeah, imagine that true. as a, there's not many lawyers in. Yeah, Pirates imagine me representing you in court. You like, I'd get <laughs> laughed out. But <laughs> I, my work experience was as a 16 year old boy, I went to a local law firm in Canterbury. I was sat behind a desk oh, filing. No. Um, t- I was left on my own. That's also useful day. though, isn't it? Because it taught you what you didn't want. It does teach you what you didn't want, but I find that such a, you're right. It's a bit of a cop out. That's negative. Isn't it's it? a negative thing. I don't yeah. want that. I want my work. Ex- the word experience is key there. Yep. It ends up being a negative experience. Like why didn't I wanted to go out and client meetings? I know it's difficult when you know because there's sensitivities when in terms of when you're being a solicitor or a lawyer. But like work experience shouldn't be like that. So again, you ask that question about what would advice like, when you go for work experience? Go do something creative. Yeah. Go be hands on. Don't go and sit behind a desk. You know, yeah. and also push for things. You know, you might think, oh, there's no well, way. Do you like sitting behind a desk? Go for it. Fine. If that's what you want to do, I'm, I'm not writing that off. But I guess from my perspective, and it, don't think that, say, you want to work in football. Don't think just because it's Man United, I can't work there. Yeah. Ring them. Call I think, them. I think the thing that's not known in Oren's story, which I'm just going to put right for him, is Oren always wanted to be a marketer, but he always wanted to be a marketer in sport. Yeah. That didn't come off for Oren for about seven to eight years in his career. Yeah. He had to work his absolute butt off to get to the sport bit. Mm-hmm. And he got there. Um, I wrote, pre- I just kept writing to them. Yeah. I kept writing to organisations. It was about saying, eight years, wasn't it? Yeah, I kept writing. Yeah, just under six, seven years. Please, can I come and sit in front of you? I didn't even ask for a job. I said, yeah. can I come for a coffee? Yeah. Um, and then one day I called Premiership Rugby and there happened to be a job. And the guy said, oh yeah, I remember you. And I was, I was probably a bit of a pain in the arse. Yeah, yeah. But in a positive way. Yeah. Um, and it shows you, it shows you, it shows you pack the passion, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And to me, if I was someone looking to employ someone, that's more important to me than your skill set. I completely agree. Straight away. Um, Oran, we've got three minutes. Yep. We have to go and pick up my son, Fred, from nursery at yep. 12 o'clock. Daddy daycare. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I just want to touch on two things really quickly. Yep. I want to touch on why I describe you an in-house entrepreneur, mm-hmm. but I also want to help other people because what I've, I know a lot of people that I would call either entrepreneurs or in-house entrepreneurs, and they fall into two camps, the ones that are working in the culture where they can be happy, yep. and ones where they're in a culture where they want to smash their head against the wall every day because they are seen as unprofessional because they want to change things you know like oh don't rock the boat let's not change things type stuff there's how if you're if you're someone's listening and they're an in-house entrepreneur how do they be entrepreneurial without getting fired uh that's a really really good question i would say push the boundaries as far as you can like don't be afraid to like you say being fired it's actually quite hard to get fired just because you've got ideas like yeah. ultimately if you can my, a boss in my career said to me if you make me look good I can then make my boss look good so if you're at a stage of your career where you do have to work in house as you put yeah. it spend 70-80% of your time doing the stuff that you need to do yeah. make your boss look good do the stuff that gets the job done sell the tickets to a stadium get all that stuff done that you have to that you basically are KPI'd against so that so um so one of our clients, Claire, would have called that brilliant basics, touches of magic. Sort the basics out. Get the basics done. Have that ticking over. You have to be bloody organised. Do you know what? That's such good advice because the amount of people, they want to go straight into the magic bit. You can't. You can't. Do You've you... got to buy yourself time. Love be organised. And another boss said to me, be known as a safe pair of hands. 
in the early stage of your career, and then you can go and do the big idea stuff. That is, that's, that's, and again, this isn't a sports cover. That, that was Cristiano Ronaldo when he went to Manchester United, wasn't it? Yeah. He was the magic showboat guy. Yeah. And Alex Ferguson turned him in to the footballer that Absolutely. could deliver and yeah. do the He tricks. didn't have the end product to, to begin with. Yeah. He couldn't be relied upon. Um, but, well, yeah, as I was saying, 80% of the time, get that stuff done, get the basics done, and then spend 20% of your time going after the big ideas, the creative stuff. Um, and then eventually, as where Matt is now, that 80-20's flipped. He'll spend 20% of the stuff getting, or getting other people to do it for you at their early stage of careers, yeah. you know, whatever, the revenue side of things, accounting, blah, blah, blah. But 80% of the time, you're out meeting people, doing the stuff. Doing podcasts with Warren Bowden. Doing podcasts, you know, <laughs> when we should be working hard. But you're, you're you, again, it's called the happiness index, but you're smiling, look at you, you're happy, and yep. you're doing things you love. That's great advice, Warren. So I'm just going to, a couple of really big questions to finish on, because it is 11.54 and we've got to leave at 11.55. Yeah. What's the lowest point of your career? Lowest point in my career? Getting made redundant from uh, my first job at Borders, as you alluded to. Yeah. Um, in the intro, I thought it was the lowest point in my career. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. Brilliant. I'm going to move you on to the second question. Highlight of your career? Getting the gig at Chelsea. You know, it has to be my whole life, as you alluded to You're earlier. You're a Liverpool fan. I'm a Liverpool fan, but I didn't care. I was, you know, yeah. I was in football. My dream, uh, one of my dreams, was to work at a, you know, a Premier League football club. Yeah. And as you say, I worked my butt off to get there and to get that gig. And I remember the first day walking to Stamford Bridge and I was like, this is wicked, this is it. So, yeah, that's definitely, without a doubt, the highlight of my career. Okay, so the number one learning from your career, this is what I'm going to end you on. I'm going to say goodbye, and I'm going to um, thank you all for listening. If one person learns something from this, the podcast will move from pilot to second podcast. But I'm going to give Oran the final word. What is the number one thing you've learned in your career? Number one thing I've learned in my career is, and we touched upon it earlier, is go after what makes you makes you happy don't do something just because it pays you a certain amount of money or has a certain type of status like i've learned like ultimately like mental fitness is is key you know get up have something to talk about do something you care about have a better story to tell like don't do something that makes you unhappy honestly Oren, as ever i've learned a lot it's a pleasure thanks guys